In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, the Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. Hello and welcome to Everybody Hits, our Phillies podcast on the Athletic. Bo Wolf here, joined today by Megan Montemuro, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the the piece that you and Matt Gelb did, Megan, on uh, on Roy Halladay's perfect game and uh, the gift that he gave to not just his teammates but some of the other uh, people involved in the organization and around his life. Uh, the, those commemorative watches. So uh, I would presume that anybody listening to this podcast has already read that story but uh, if you haven't i would tell you to pause and go read the story and then get back to the podcast but uh, first of all megan how are you i'm not too bad how are you i'm uh, hanging in as i as i said before we started recording we're uh, in the middle of potty training so uh, very hyper focused in the wolf household <laughs> these days on uh frequent trips to the potty so there you something, go something uh, uh, positive though to at least uh, work on during quarantine times yeah, it's all about getting better, finding a way to get better every day, right? Uh, okay, so let's let's get into the story, and I guess I want to start with, um, you know, how long has this story been in the works, and uh, you know, how did you guys become aware of the the watches? Was it sort of an open thing, and uh, you were planning on it, or or you know, t- tell me a little bit about the background of p- getting the story together. Yeah, so Gelb definitely deserves credit for the idea. Um, he was covering the team at the time and had remembered and actually written something at the time that Roy gave the watches out. Um, And so as we kind of were trying to brainstorm a few months ago, knowing especially this was supposed to be the weekend that the Phillies retired his number. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to brainstorm story ideas that would be different, unique. Um, And so Gal mentioned the watches and that it always had kind of stuck with him in the in the years since, and so he, he we were able to get a hold of the the two page list that had the sixty seven names on it, which obviously made made it a little easier to at least know who right. to try and reach out to. Um, but I would say it probably um, took about three months. I literally got a call from from. Uh, or I got a hold of one of them like a day before it ran um, because nice. it, it takes time to track some of these people down. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we started working on it at the very beginning of spring training. Like, I think I talked to Pete McCann in maybe like day three of camp because he was only there for three or four days um, helping out. So, yeah, we this had been in the works for quite a while. 
Well, it is a, a very fun story. I'm hoping that the guy who, who the last one to call you was Trax, because then you were, you Traxed him down. <laughs> he was he was the last one I spoke to. Oh, really? He was the one. <laughs> yes, he was the last oh. one I spoke to. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> um, and it's also you know obviously it's it's woven together very well as a story. But um, uh, I guess you know you you told me which ones you talked to and and two of my favorites were were um some of the guys you talked to and they were they were both sort of more of the mo- more emotional tacks and that was uh Ruben Amaro Jr and and Charlie Manuel. I thought both of them had sort of you know nice emotional remembrances of uh you know that that day and uh, and the gift itself yeah and so really i mean part of it the way we approached it was not only just asking them about the watch but what they even remember from that day. And I thought that was interesting because some of these people weren't even at the ballpark, even key guys like Jimmy Rollins, Brad Lidge, uh, they were rehabbing from injury. So um, they were not in Miami or at, or even at the game for it. And so I thought Ruben's story was really interesting. Um, You know, being there with one of his brothers, watching the game in the stands and, you know, the irony of the last hitter coming up being the guy, being a guy that he had traded um, a year earlier. And so, yeah. And I mean, and obviously I think if you've ever heard Charlie Manuel talk about Roy Halladay at any point in the last few years, I mean, you could, it is not hard to hear the pride and, and, um, you know, honor he felt to, to manage somebody like that. And as he, um, one thing that he's noted is, you know, he, he became a lot closer with Roy even really after the, his Phillies career ended because they both were doing minor league things for the Phillies. So they would cross paths in that way. Um, both would, you know, be down. And so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear different perspectives of what the same gift can mean to different people. Um, and so, yeah, I think just asking very, a very broad question basically to everybody was, you know, what do you remember about the game? What do you remember about getting the watch? And then, you know, what does that watch mean to you now 10 years later? And it was it was really interesting to see the different memories and the different meaning it took. Now, before we go any further, uh, let me take a second to talk about Hawthorne, which uh, was uh, the people at Hawthorne, they were generous enough to uh, send over a, a sample product after I went through and took the, the quick, easy two-minute quiz and uh, boy, I got to tell you, I have been dying. You know, I haven't cut my hair at all throughout quarantine. It is getting unruly. And the the specialized shampoo that they sent me, uh, boy, has it has it come in handy. I look much better, much less uh, outrageous. And I think uh, you know, I think uh, my my young potty training child has been you know less scared of me with this new fresh hairdo that I have, courtesy of the the personalized shampoo. Everything Hawthorne sends you is personalized. All you have to do is take the quick two-minute quiz, and then from there, it is totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and dot C-O, not dot com. Hawthorne.co, and use our promo code, which is athletic, to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use our promo code, which is athletic, to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. And I like the differences in guys who, you know, wear it every day or wear it frequently to, you know, the people who have, who have never worn it. Um, I'll tell you what I remember about that day. 
uh, I was I think there I think there was a, if I remember this correctly it was a uh, a U.S. soccer game at Lincoln Financial Field during the early part of the afternoon. So I went to that with with a few friends and my brother uh, tailgated. I believe again if I remember correctly the day that Dennis Hopper died because for some reason mm. that became a part of our uh, our uh, cheering at the game. And then we yeah, and then we went to a bar and watched the uh, watched the last probably four or five innings uh, of it. Were you in Philadelphia mm-hmm. at the time yet? No, I was. I would have been still down on in uh, Champaign, Illinois, at the University of Illinois campus. I would have graduated recently, and I was still living and working down there um, at that point in 2010. So where I was at that time was at the local bar watching game one of the Blackhawks Flyers Stanley Cup final. Oh, nice. Um, so I honestly, my recollections of the game at the time would have been whatever highlights <laughs> I would have seen on sure. Sports Center since they wouldn't have really cut into that um, or shown much of it in, uh, in Champaign, mm-hmm. Illinois. <laughs> Um, of the other guys you talked to, uh, Jimmy Rollins was pretty funny. It sounds like he's still like, it's it, he, other than you know, in comparison to some of the guys who were like appreciative of the fact that uh, that they were included in you know the circle of people who who Halliday said helped him do it. Uh, Rollins was like, I don't really deserve this. What like what? Why why do I get this watch? Right, and and I'll be honest, like I was a little worried that that wouldn't come across well in print, like in terms of like his tone because I'm hearing it and him laughing and being amused. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't always translate well when you're reading it, but I'm glad that that's the tone that an impression you got, because it was definitely very much of a, like, I'm glad you thought of me like this, but like, why give it to me kind of thing? Like I literally wasn't even there. Um, And so, but I, I thought like, you know, it was kind of poignant what he said at the end there of like, you know, how, you know, it'll always be a kind of a weird thing for him, but like he'll never get to ask Roy why, and you know he right. won't get to joke with him about that. And you know he envisioned how Roy would uh, react to him bringing that up and asking him about that. So, you know, it, it it's interesting to see that like even though he doesn't really necessarily have a strong connection to the watch itself, he clearly it still resonates with him in the sense of his connection to Roy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, who between you and Matt, who came across the um, the auction item of uh, of J C Romero's Roy Halladay watch? Yeah, I believe Gal did because I think he would have covered J C. So we tried to like okay. find a good way to split them up, split up the list. Um, and so, like a lot of guys, like Rollins, Hamels, McCannon, like I've covered them since covering the Phillies um, since coming over here in 2014. So I know he took, took on trying to track down some of the other guys that he would have covered. Um, So I'd love to know the story of why it's popped up up in his research. Yeah. Or why it was was sold over auction. Um, Let's see what else, you know, what, 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 you know, was it sort of fun going down, uh, you know, the memory lane with these guys on, uh, on that, that day? Yeah, it was. And I think the other thing, too, that kind of stood out, like, even though it took weeks and months to ultimately track down these 23 people and talk to them, like, I can't, like, no one really was unwilling to talk about it, even though mm-hmm. for some of them, it was clearly 
uh, bittersweet at the very least and a little difficult to talk about it. Um, you know, you know, given how Roy's life ended and, um, him not being here now, but it seemed like it was, it was an enjoyable experience for those people who got to reminisce and think back not only to that game, but just to Roy himself and, and what he meant to them. I mean, it really stood out to me that for only spending a couple of seasons in Philadelphia, I mean, he, he clearly left um, a lasting impression and mark on his teammates, regardless of how the last you know year or so of his career went. Um, so yeah, no, they were everyone that I talked to was was really great. I talked to about ten or eleven, um, and it was really just interesting getting their dis- different perspectives of even the game itself, um, like and asking them like what they remember from that game and a lot of them had different things that they remembered. It wasn't the exact same moment or play or uh, memory. Yeah. Now I got to say I, I, on replay, I'm not sure that that the final out was as difficult to play as, as some people were making out as it was for, for Juan Castro. Well, I think a pretty routine. I'd, play. I'd see I, well, I don't know if, if the dugout alignment is the same there as it is in current, current Marlins park, but mm-hmm. in the current ballpark, the visitors dugout is on the first base side. So for, for the Phillies, they would have had a little bit of a different view. Like McCannon was adamant, pretty adamant that it it looked like a tough play off the bat. Um, And so I wonder how camera angles manipulate that at all. Like, you know, that's why you have, when you're at a ballpark, you have people react to a fly ball that, you know, either they think it's going out or maybe they don't think it's going out. Um, And so, yeah, it was interesting, though, that that was a play that seemed to stand out to a lot of them. So I wonder if off the bat and from their perspective, looking like straight on at Juan Castro, um, if that affected, you know, how they saw the difficulty of the play. Right. And then the other thing uh, that I was not aware of um, that is uh, such an interesting backstory is is the you know the connection between Jason Worth and, and Halliday to their time in the the Blue Jays minor leagues I was not aware that that you know Worth was with Halliday in the minor leagues when Halliday was you know doing his build back up from getting demoted from the major leagues that was uh, that was pretty fascinating yeah that was a pretty cool anecdote I mean I think there were little things in each one or at least in quite a few we were like okay that was interesting like we were talking about one of the ones you liked with Ruben about you know him mentioning that towards the end of his career that he would text Ruben apologizing for his performance right. and for you know not living up to his end of the bargain and so you know I, I think those kind of stories kind of give you a fuller picture of um, Roy's career and you know just who he was as a person. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's right. And then as and then the, I guess the last thing is as uh, as Matt talked about in the comments, um, you know, it would have been it would have been great to get Carlos Ruiz's perspective. It sounds like he is fully fully holed up, uh, you know, sort of away from the public eye. Yeah, he's he's been pretty immersed um, in Panama, where he's from, and he's uh, he's always been into horses, so he's raising horses down there. Um, but yeah, he really has not been back. Um, to the Philly area or, you know, participating in, in Philly, like alumni events or events in general since he retired. Um, and so it's interesting. Uh, I, I would assume he would have been there for the retirement weekend, um, this weekend, but I mean, I, I guess I, 
I don't, I can't say that definitively. I know um, he's not easy to get a hold of, even for the Phillies. So um, it'll be interesting to see whenever that retirement number day comes, if Chooch ends up being there for it. If you want to kick your coffee habit, but you're worried about your energy levels, you need to, you know, you're not, if you're not sleeping too much with a newborn, there's a way to avoid the morning sluggishness and that midday slump. You just need to make sure you're hydrated. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com athletic. That's drinkhydrant.com athletic for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com athletic. All right, Megan. Let's get to uh, let's get to the really important stuff here. And uh, you know, it's a very special time of the year. Everybody looks forward to to the trade deadline, and it has come upon us at least for uh, for your out of the park Phillies franchise. What where do things stand? Not good, not good, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the fake Phillies are currently five games under uh, five hundred. They're like double digit games out of the postseason race. I think in the wild card. Last I checked. Uh, they're like nine games out of the second wild card spot. So Uh-oh. the fake Phillies have some tough decisions to make um, in oh, terms man. of fake, what to do radio at the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the problem is, is like I looked, I was like, okay, well, maybe I can trade guys that are on like expiring deals. But in the fake world, uh, Didi Gregorius is not having a very good season. Mm. So he's not a very lucrative uh, trade piece. And Jake Array had a season not going well, so he's not really movable. <laughs> uh, so we have some problems, and um, yeah, so our trade deadline in the real world is scheduled for Saturday to, to sim past the trade deadline. So I have some decisions I need to figure out, um, like, uh, yeah, trying to figure out who I can even trade for spare parts and, you yeah, know, what do you think? Try, can and, I get any try and get some... Um, not really. I mean, I've tried, I've tried listing like in our, uh, trade block Slack channel of who's available and not appealing or, or they're asking for like Aaron Nola. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, it's, it's rough goings right now. I, I, I don't have a very good path forward. Mm, I'm so sorry to hear that. How's the, how's the, uh, virtual owner handling things? Um, I'm sure I will get an updated, like, note after the trade deadline passes um so far i've not accomplished any more of the goals that were on the list which included upgrading <laughs> center field and acquiring a cy young pitcher caliber pitcher well maybe you can uh, like trade for the ashes of cy young or something like that i don't know yeah i i'm, I'm out of ideas we're in we're in bad shape uh, now is any I remember in the beginning of the season like Reese Hoskins like the, the simulation hated Reese Hoskins is he still having a terrible season? Yeah, he's still not he's not doing too well. I will say Odor well, huh? is Odor oh, okay. has been paying off though. 
All right, look he, at you. I think like a, yeah, I know. I think like a week ago he hit like four home runs in five games or something. So building block for the future. <laughs> I think you proved a keen eye for talent. I think as if the owner must notice that you know it wasn't the trades you made that didn't work. It was the you know the setup of the roster when you got there. Right. It was it was the team I was inheriting. That's right. That's the spin you have to have. This one of the most right. important jobs you can have as a general manager is you know back backroom uh, spin and politicking. So I think that's that's the way you need to move forward. I like the way you think. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, anything else that's uh, that's on your mind, Phillies related? Well, I mean, I just think it's going to be interesting. You know, as these discussions between the players' association and. Um, you know, owners continue. Yeah. I mean, the Phillies have, you know, a couple of guys that certainly have a lot to lose if ownership is not going to budge on the, we're not giving you uh, prorated contracts. I mean, Bryce Harper would stand to lose a lot of money this year um, and he wouldn't be alone. So it would be, it, it's interesting to see how those um, discussions are playing out in the public uh, I don't know how you feel about that as somebody who covers the NFL and it seems like the union and I think especially the salary cap really kind of affects um, the NFL in the sense of like, yeah. it doesn't seem like there's as much negotiating, but you can correct me on that. But it seems like the MLB and, and players union have a lot more frequent public uh, discussions. We'll put it that way. It's certainly true. I mean, I mean the, 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 Baseball players union is so much stronger than the um, you know the football players union, and just in terms of the you know the strength of the contracts that they have. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, it is, I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, I would say, um, unpalatable just how uh, you know aggressively the owners and uh, the union are, are going up against each other right now. But we'll see if if something comes together. I do like, I mean, I'm generally pro pro players, um, so. I would Which say is not a I, common they, theme they, on social media. They have media. my sympathy. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy that uh, billionaires are seen as the uh, you know the aggrieved party instead of instead of millionaires. But you know we don't we don't need to get all the way into that on, on this episode. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It's 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 it, we'll see if they can pull something together. It's gonna it's gonna look really bad if uh, you know basketball and hockey come back and baseball can't figure out a way to come back. Right. Although I will say, I do think it's trickier, um, you know, at least even with the NFL, you know, they're on track to be able to play pretty much their season as scheduled. Whereas, you know, at least NBA and NHL, they pretty much got everything up to the final sure. like three or four weeks in. And so I think it's a lot there. It, I think it's a lot more difficult to start up a season when not only are you dealing with all these health concerns, but you basically have to completely create new schedules um, and just figure out how you're, yeah, how you even put together a season, at least NBA and NHL, I guess, you know, you can kind of skip right to the postseason. Right. I think that's true. Is there any, uh, are there any reports on um, what the Phillies are doing with their minor leaguers? Not, uh, well, I, I have heard that it sounds like, um, the minor leaguers will continue to be paid through June, um, which is okay. good, which is, which is like a $400 about stipend per week. Um, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if 
they start having some minor league roster cuts in the coming days and weeks since that was something that was going to happen at the end right. of spring training anyways. And um, and then, you know, with the draft approaching between the five rounds that they'll be drafting guys and anyone else they sign um, outside of that, you know, you're going to need organizational openings. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like other teams, um, they start making some cuts on the minor league side. Yeah, I think that's probably right. All right, well, on that note, I guess we uh, we close things out for this episode of Everybody Hits. We will be back uh, at some point next week. Hopefully by then we'll have you know some sense of uh, a return to baseball. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, for Megan and Matt, I'm Bo. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>